Notes from America is supported by Future Hindsight, an award-winning podcast that shares big ideas about participating in American democracy beyond voting but short of running for office. Join host Mila Atmos for stimulating and incisive conversations with citizen changemakers on topics ranging from gerrymandering, policing equity, and voting rights. In this election year, Future Hindsight offers an unaffiliated perspective into what's at stake and how citizens can make an impact at the local, state, and national level. You'll always come away with something hopeful. Tune in every Thursday to get engaged and stay engaged. Listener supported. WNYC Studios. It's Notes from America. I'm Kai Wright. Twelve years ago, Arizona's Republican-led legislature passed one of the most harsh anti-immigrant laws in the country. The law, which came on the heels of a midterm election in which Republicans around the country ran hard on fear of undocumented immigrants, it became known as the Show Me Your Papers law. The bill I'm about to sign into law, Senate Bill 1070, represents another tool for our state to use as we work to solve a crisis that we did not create in the federal government. As a matter of policy, SB 1070 allowed police to stop and search anyone they suspected of not having the proper paperwork to be inside the U.S. As a matter of politics, it did even more than that. It became a messaging vehicle for driving home this relatively new idea at the time that being in the country without papers is a dangerous crime and one that calls for drastic, even authoritarian measures. There is no higher priority than protecting the citizens of Arizona. We cannot sacrifice our safety to the murderous greed of drug cartels. We cannot stand idly by. Governor Jan Brewer became a right-wing celebrity. Remember the tarmac moment when she infamously shook her finger at President Obama? And you could argue that Arizona and this law, they're both big parts of the MAGAverse origin story. But they are also big parts of the origin story for the modern immigrant rights movement. SB 1070 fueled enormous activism, particularly among the young, striving class of undocumented people who became known as dreamers. And that activism, it helped change the state's politics. It's at least part of how Arizona became a swing state in 2020. Anyway, all of that, it's the backstory to this week's hugely consequential election in Arizona, in which Latino voters in particular may be decisive. Republican gubernatorial candidate Carrie Lake has been called the new face of MAGA. She's a proud election denier and unapologetic about wanting to aggressively police undocumented people. Control of the U.S. Senate may well be decided in Arizona as well. But here's the thing. Turns out there's no reason to believe that Democrats can count on Latino voters to stop any of that. Polls both in Arizona and nationally show growing Latino support for Republican candidates. Journalist Maritza L. Felix joins us to help make sense of all of this. Maritza runs a new service for Spanish speakers called Conecta Arizona, and she comes to us from Feet in Two Worlds, which is a project that brings the work of immigrant journalists to public radio. Maritza, welcome to the show. Hi, Kai. 
So Maritza, the obvious first question is how to explain what I just described. How is it possible that Latino voters in Arizona, many of whom are Mexican immigrants like yourself, would even consider voting for candidates from a party that's responsible for this really harsh anti-immigrant politics? Guy, it is a question that a lot of people are asking. And to begin to understand where we are, how we arrived to this moment, we need to go back in time at least 10, 12 years. On April 23rd, 2010, I was in the same room when Republican Governor Jan Brewer signed SB 1070. That law criminalized an undocumented person just for being in Arizona. If someone was stopped and could not show like a driver's license, a U.S. passport, a green card, a social security card, could be arrested and deported. We needed to be carrying our documents everywhere. It was controversial, yes, but later that same year, Brewer was re-elected as Arizona governor. At the press conference after she signed SB 1070, Governor Brewer was asked how police were supposed to identify undocumented immigrants. How can that not lead to some form of racial profile? No different than any other reasonable suspicion, Howie. I mean, we have to trust our law enforcement. It, it, you know, it's a simple. She didn't have an answer, but for Latinos in Arizona, the answer soon became clear. SB 1070 wasn't just targeting immigrants. I think it's important to know that it was because of our, the color of our skin. It was pure racial profiling. Karina Ruiz is personally familiar with racial profiling. She has brown skin. She was a student at the time and went on to become an immigrant rights activist. She immigrated to Arizona with her family from Mexico, and she was, and still is, undocumented. You know, if you listen to Mexican music, uh, it was like a cue uh, for police to uh, assume that you could not have uh, a legal status. And it was also targeting citizens, citizen Latinos, Latinas that live in the state. And that's what I think prompted people to realize that the attack wasn't just on immigrants. The attack was on Latinx, brown, people of color. And I know that in those efforts in, in the big marches and, and the efforts that happened, a lot of leaders um, started in the movement. Yeah, honestly, Marisa, I remember that moment really clearly, and it really felt like a turning point in the racial justice movement in general, but particularly in the immigrant rights movement, that SB 1070, this, like, the strictest law in the country, right, led to just this massive amount of organizing. That's right, Guy. Actually, SB 1070 really was a wake-up call for Latinos, whether they were undocumented immigrants or families who had been living in Arizona for generations. Mm. There was a lot of fear of those sons and daughters of undocumented immigrants, the kids that were born and raised with mixed-status families, first-generation U.S.-born Latinos. They transformed this fear into a lucha, a fight. They were canvassing, they were protesting, they were fighting for their rights. And they became a movement. Reina Montoya was a dreamer then, and she became part of that movement. And she actually founded a nonprofit organization to help those dreamers to achieve not just a temporary solution for the immigration status, but a permanent path for being here in this country legally. And 
she became part of that movement too to protect voting rights, even though she cannot vote. I think what changed was a whole community that got activated and I said, we either have a choice, we either can continue to remain to be in the shadows or we can take action. And that's what I saw a lot. I, you couldn't just turn a blind eye and pretend that it didn't impact you. You would hear about your cousins, your neighbors, either getting in deportation proceedings or having that palpable fear. So I felt what really changed was that uh, people like me, right, said like, we can't take this anymore and we have to make a choice. Either we continue to live in fear or we do something about it. So the people who made the choice to fight back then, what did they do? What, 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 what did they do and what were their results? I remember, Kai, back then, there was a group of ladies holding a vigil outside the state capitol, and they were praying, they were organizing, mm. but they stayed there for more than 100 days. One of them was Petra Falcón. She founded Promise Arizona, a nonprofit organization that actually wants to fight for this path to citizenship, to worker protections, and to have more Latinos registering to vote, and not just registering but actually voting. Mm. But we were also at the same time training. We were doing a lot of what we call movement building training to get to get young people integrated into the movement as we called it locally and nationally. So that's how you got a lot of people running for public office in the next general cycle of the of, of, uh, the election. So we got many more people in, 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 the, in the Arizona legislature in the House and the Senate uh, elected to, to become state senators and state representatives. Um, which basically also gave the community some immediate wins. That's interesting. And, you know, it, correct me if I'm wrong, Maritza, I, I, as I remember this movement that launched, it had some very real political wins. I mean, the author of SB 1070, Senate, State Senator Russell Pierce, he was defeated in a recall election, right? And, and then the infamous sheriff of Maricopa County, uh, which includes Phoenix, Joe Arpaio, who he was the face of this law, really. He also lost political power in the course of this. There's a new sheriff in town. And I remember there was a real feeling of, of success, Guy. Actually, Petra and the Dreamers that we were been talking to were part of these recall efforts and helped to take Russell Pierce out of the office and elect a another Republican, actually. And a couple of years later, they did something similar with Arpaio. And I think most of us here in Maricopa County, we we remember that Adios Arpaio campaign. It was really one of those moments nationally, too, where you had this, like, euphoria uh, amongst, particularly in the racial justice world, of like, oh, my God, this could there, there, there can be change. Something could really happen. Very sort of Obama-era kind of enthusiasm. But here's the thing, Maritza. So now it's more than a decade later, and, like, many of those moments of euphoria— uh, from the Obama era, it feels like there's been a turn. We're hearing news and polling about the idea that there's going to be this unexpected increase in Latino support for conservative, like conservative, conservative Republican candidates. What What is going on? And I would love to have that answer. But to answer that question, I'm going to let Pedro de Velasco do all the talking. Pedro works with a group called 
Aquino Border Initiative in the Nogales area, and he works actually in both sides of the Mexican border. The mythical Latino vote. I think this is a very Anglo concept. It's sometimes difficult for Americans to comprehend that Latinos are very different from each other. Latinos come in all shapes, colors, smells, flavors, rhythms, and a diversity of backgrounds. When we talk about Latinos, we're talking of more than 20 different nations. And in each of these nations, people have a diversity of background. I mean, one person does not vote the same just from being from Mexico, from Colombia, or from Venezuela. I believe that it is important to move away from the idea of the Latino vote, because even migrants who naturalize as U.S. citizen, they're not voting for or against this or that candidate or policy just for coming from abroad. Guy, let me put this in perspective for you. More than 7 million people live in Arizona, and Hispanics represent about a third of the population. We are more than 2 million. Organizations that promote that empower the Latino vote estimate that about 640,000 Latinos will vote in these midterm elections. They're really important. And this is a significant number. This is huge. Compare that to 2002. In just two decades, the Latino vote in Arizona has increased by 400%. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that is massive. Exactly. And everybody talks about it as if they knew it. But actually, Latinos are getting more independent. There are polls going around. Everybody is asking these questions. And they assume the Latinos are going to vote for Democrats. But in these primary elections, we actually realize that we know nothing. 45% of Latinos are affiliated with the Democratic Party. And that's, that's something that we know. But... Two of every five Latinos are not affiliated with any party. Mm. They're independents. So we need to understand that because we're not all the same. There are families that just speak Spanish. Many families, they don't. Many families that have been living in Arizona forever, but most of them just got here or they go back and forward and to cross the border. Mm -hmm. So the Latino voter is it's not the same. It's not a monolithic, and that's something that we know. And we don't care about the same things. For example, everybody thinks that we just care about immigration of the border. But actually, economy is one of the most important issues for us. Right. And let me introduce you to Felix Garcia. He's a Latino Republican. He is young. He was born in Mexico, but came to Arizona. He became a pastor. He has a consulting business with Republicans, most of them. <laughs> he became a political analyst. And now he's actually representing the new face of the Republican Party here in Arizona. And I sat down with him shortly after the primaries, and this is what he told me. So now I think the, the, the Latinos, we more focus, you know, in job opportunities, because if you have opportunities, you know, if you have security, you, you, your family is happy um, with the community every single day, you know, and the reality, jobs is very important for that community. You know, jobs, house, security, you know, is the, the three uh, more important uh, issues, not the immigration, not anymore. Which is to say that Latinos in Arizona are like most other human beings. They're worried about stuff that directly impacts their daily lives. And for many, immigration policy just isn't on that list right now. 
Still, we know that polls are notoriously inaccurate. And in any case, we can certainly overstate the idea of Republican support amongst Latinos. I mean, as you said, the vast majority are independent or Democratic voters. But if Latino voters do help elect Republicans who are going to roll back the gains of the past 12 years in the state, where does this leave the activists who have been working all this time to register voters and encourage Latinos to participate in politics in the first place? I also asked Reina Montoya about this. Remember, she came out of the movement to fight SB 1070. She knows that we made some progress in Arizona, but that progress may be reversed. She talked about Kerry Lake, the Republican candidate for governor in Arizona, and that candidate has promised that if she gets elected, she will finish up the border wall. But Montoya takes a long-term view of Arizona politics. So I think that even though that there's been some progress made, uh, we're seeing a little bit about post the Trump wave, how uh, nationalism and anti-immigrant sentiment continues to be on the rise. So I think that right now what we're experiencing in Arizona, it's a little pendulum, right? It's like it was very anti-immigrant. We saw that wave. We saw the pendulum swim the other way and saw a little bit of progress and more education being done. And then now it's kind of up in the air. We don't know where the pendulum is going to swing. It's going to swing to someone like Carrie Lake that has very similar policies and ideologies, or is it going to be moderated? So, and just like Reina said, the coin is in the air. It can go either way. And you know what? It is because politicians have taken, and candidates have taken the Latino vote for granted, or they don't care about it, or they act as they don't care about the Latino vote. But in these elections, is if that 640,000 actually go out and vote, we're going to see how, what we can expect for the next 2024. There are going to be huge elections in Arizona. And as we said, it can go either way. Maritza, thanks for this reporting. Thank you, Kai. Maritza Felix is the founder of Conecta Arizona, a Spanish news service based in Phoenix. She comes to us through Feet in Two Worlds, a project that brings the work of immigrant journalists to public radio. Notes from America is a production of WNYC Studios. Follow us wherever you get your podcasts or on both Instagram and Twitter at Notes with Kai. And hey, if you heard anything you want to chime in about this week, you can leave us a voice message right on our website. Just go to notesfromamerica.org and look for the record button. Special thanks to Feet Into World and John Rudolph for editing help this week. Our live engineer was Matthew Mirando, mixing and music by Jared Paul. Our team also includes Karen Frillman, Regina Dehir, Vanessa Handy, Rahima Nasa, Kusha Navadar, and Lindsay Foster-Thomas. And I am Kai Ray. Thanks for spending time with us. <laughs>